Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 122 of the Australian Hiker podcast and in this week's episode we continue our journey on the human hovel track uh, and we will be covering from day four through to day 11. Yeah so uh, I think we said in the the first uh, podcast of um, uh, this journey uh, that it was really tough walking from Yass along the road. Well, let me tell you, we've discovered some even more difficult places to walk. Um, so you'll get a, get a taste of that as uh, we go through the day-by-day uh, -day account of where we've been and what we were doing. Okay, we hope you enjoy. Good morning. It's five to seven on day four of our human hovel track hike. We're just sitting here in our accommodation at Reflections Holiday Park on Burrenjuk Dam. Uh, we've been up, we're pretty much packed now. We're just uh, charging the last couple of pieces of electronics uh, and then we're ready to go. Our boat leaves at eight o'clock this morning uh, and we're probably only around about a, a five minute walk from where we've got to, got to go to to pick up the boat. So we'll leave here um, just under about 45, 50 minutes just to go down and, and uh, catch the boat. We were supposed to be having a third hiker join us uh, today uh, and apparently they started uh, the day after us and we're trying to do um, Burrenjuk in two days which is quite doable for some reason it looks like they're not going to make it uh, but we'll find out when the, uh, the boat gets here they might actually meet us down at the boat this morning uh, good sleep last night in the bed after having a hot shower it's always always welcome um, and um, uh, now ready to move on for the next day and hopefully uh, the weather is looking pretty good today, but we've got some forecasts for rain um, uh, later in the week. It looks like we're going to have three or four days of rain, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so um, nice sunny day again today and um, uh, had a good night's sleep, but less sleep than we normally uh, get uh, while we're hiking. So uh, that was an interesting one, but I think uh, be because we were in a bed it's a little bit more comfortable and probably got better quality uh, sleep and um, yeah the interesting uh, about the the other hiker um, uh, we weren't sure what was happening with them yesterday and you know given what we've experienced in terms of the distances aren't quite what we were expecting um, that that may be a factor too I'm just sitting here looking out the door of our, our cabin watching a very chubby kangaroo <laughs> li lying down and eating. Um, yeah, it's very healthy looking and isn't going to exert any more energy than it absolutely needs to. don't think I've ever seen a kangaroo lie down and eat at the same time. All right. Um, last night I actually managed to upload the podcast. Uh, I thought while I still had guaranteed signal... Um, and I did have to go up to the office 
uh, to do that, to get the strongest signal uh, because the tower is not far behind the office. And when he says go up to the office, he actually means uh, sit, sit in the cold, sit in the dark outside the office on the veranda um, at, you know, in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, we did manage to get it uploaded and sorted out um, and managed to get the posts done for them when I needed to. Uh, and thankfully, as, as is usual, very early in the morning is always a good time. So I managed to do a couple of more posts this morning from inside our cabin, which was always a, a good thing. Okay, so uh, on for the rest of the day. All right, uh, it's morning of day four, and we're down here at the boat ramp uh, with Dean, who's the manager of Reflections Holiday Park, Burren Jack Waters. So thanks for taking the time to talk to us, Dean. No worries, Tim. Okay, so Dean's just about to take us uh, across the the, the uh, Burren Jack Dam to the other side, so we can continue on in our walk. Um, now, how many walkers do you get? Uh, just as a rough average throughout the year. Yeah, there's. It's averaged over the last couple of years since we've had the boat at around the 50 mark, 50 to 60. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And normally spring and autumn's the time they we see them. Do you get many people coming through in midsummer or midwinter at all? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I know there's, uh, looking at the... Uh, the uh, the website for the human hovel track they always have fire seem to have fire warnings and shut sections of the track in the middle of summer yeah and winter time you're picking up a lot of snow in some of the areas yeah. so i think you've got to be yeah, pretty just, keen just three weeks ago the the ups here behind us the high ones had snow on them for three days so when that snow gets down to sort of 500 600 meters you, you're going to encounter it if you're walking this time of year okay so mm. how often do you take the boat across the, the uh, lake for walkers? Is it, is it a regular thing or it's by um, arrangement? Yeah, it's by arrangement. We try and sort of corral it to Mondays and Thursdays so that we end up with more than one hiker going on the boat. Um, and that's, you know, financial reasons. So if we can sort of get them to come on either of those two days, it works better for us. All right. Um, and um, what other services do you have? I mean, I, I, I'm amazed at the size of this, this, this park. It is huge. Yeah, well, we've got about, oh, well, we have 76 hectares. Um, there's seven amenities blocks here. There's 13 electric barbecues, which are free of charge, um, fish cleaning tables, uh, a kiosk, which is not open all the time this, this time of year, but there's, yep. there's always goods available up at the office. Um, there's 150 unpowered campsites, 38 powered sites, 35 cabins, um, and then we've got a lot of annual site or holiday van owners here as well. There's 84 of those. Okay, yeah, we yeah. we stayed in one of the uh, the ensuite cabins last night. It was pretty good. It was nice to have a shower, not have to go outside to go to the toilet yeah. during the middle of the night. So a lot of hikers do that. We're, we're generally day two if you start in Yass. Yep. And a lot of people grab that bit of last bit of comfort before they hit the the longer haul. All right. Um, and what what bit of advice would you you give to people looking at doing the human hovel track? Uh, you know, you've seen people coming through <laughs> that they maybe should or shouldn't have done. Yeah, we've had, you know, some guys. We've said a few. Um, they walk all the way from Yasta here in one day, which is fifty five, fifty six k's. That's a big walk. And they generally say, "Well, I'm going to do the the track in fourteen, fifteen days." Um, then we've had we had a. A whole generation of ladies come through and and the oldest one was going to have a 70th birthday i think in tumut so and they were planning on 27 28 days yeah so it varies depending on the skills we've had them walk in here with just covered in blisters and couldn't walk and have had to lay up for a couple of days and then we've had a guy yesterday that didn't make it this morning because his his knees have 
bunged out on him, so he's camping for a couple of days to rest up. So he's yeah. got a long, long trip ahead. I think from our perspective, it's, it's, it's uh, there's a lot of road walking in the early, particularly on day, the, yeah. the first part of the, uh, the, the around Yass area, and that certainly certainly is hard wearing on the bodies. So. Yeah, and some people walk, um, stay on the tar and come down the windy bit, yep. which is about 6Ks on the tar, and then I think you came the other way, which is down through here and around the dam. Yep. It makes it a bit longer and a bit tougher. It does. It was inter- it was really interesting. No, actually, just looking at the the side of the dam, how how low is the dam compared to to maximum height? Right. Well, like- yeah. Well, your tree line's getting up near your maximum, so yep. we're at thirty two and very slowly rising. Obviously, this time of year we'd like it about sixty five, eighty, something like that to be better. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's going to be a tough year if we don't get a bit of rain. I'm, I'm here, and there's supposed to be some in December. That's what people are telling me. So let's hope so. Yeah, it looks like about what 10, 12 meters lower than it should be. So there's some, yeah, there's some awfully probably... bare banks around the whole dam, and you'll see that yeah. in the images we we put up on the, on the write up of this uh, this walk, and also we'll put some up on the podcast as well. Mm. Okay, so thanks very much for your time, Dean. Uh, much appreciated, and thank you for taking us across the uh, across the the dam. No worries. Good afternoon. It's day four. It's 12.46. Uh, we've just stopped off on a, a nice little spot on the edge of the road so we can look down over the valley uh, to have lunch. Um, and it's quite actually, it's actually quite a scenic little view. Uh, green rolling hills. Uh, the valley across from us has got eucalypt trees dotted it, uh, but not as much as there would have been when the, when the, uh, uh, before, before the settlers came through. And the journey so far has been uh, a long road, uh, but enough space on the verge that we could actually um, stay off the road a little bit if we if we wanted to. Um, we are starting to get into um, some slightly more uh, hillier, small hills um, uh, country, and a little bit more forested. So uh, quite quite diverse, and that nice combination of. Um, uh, natural environment and rule. Now we were planning on staying at the Fitzpatrick Trackhead which is probably around about another two kilometres on from where we are at the moment <clears throat> and we we're talking to someone in as we passed through on the outskirts of Weir Jasper saying there's an army group that was in there and I don't know if they still are um, and, re- and really in all honesty we'd, we'd be there within sort of uh, half hour 40 minutes which is a bit early to finish. So we've got a couple of long days, some 30 kilometre days, uh, which are the only two of the whole trip coming up in the next three or four days. Uh, so we may actually go on another four kilometres uh, just to shorten those, those longer days, uh, just to make them a bit more average in length. Um, road walking again for a lot of this morning, uh, but um, it was reasonably pleasant. I think we've only seen probably five cars all morning. And most of those have been in the last sort of uh, uh, 15, 20 minutes as we've have come through Wee Jasper. We had the uh, the boat crossing this morning. Uh, that was quite nice. Uh, it took around about 10 minutes in total. Uh, and it's quite amazing where we got dropped off was a spot called Cathedral Rocks, uh, which apparently when the dam is full, uh, it's around about five metres underwater. Uh, and Dean, the boat driver, was saying that um, uh, the dam is around about 32% full at the moment. Yeah, that's pretty um, bad, isn't it? And they said normally at this time of the year they expect to have a lot more water in it. So if they don't get some rain, the dam's going to be pretty empty by the end of the, end of the year. Um, 
reasonably warm weather today which has surprised me I was expecting to be slightly cooler uh, but not uncomfortable um, so I think uh, when we get to the Fitzpatrick trackhead we are actually turning off onto bushland again so I think we're leaving the road and going back more back onto track yeah that's right so we'll um, top up with water there um, one of the things I wanted to say was that we've actually um, met a few uh, locals along the way um, people are very friendly um, they'll give you all sorts of information and ask answer all sorts of questions um, that you might ask um, so that's kind of nice and and you do get a sense that um, from from one part of the uh, the hike or to, to to the next one at least at the moment we're getting a sense that people are uh, Getting to, getting to know what we're doing and, um, you know, the Bush Telegraph is probably uh, telling a few people we're walking through their properties and doing that kind of thing as well. So, you know, that's kind of a nice thing to remind yourself that still exists. Okay, well, finish off our lunch and press on. Good evening. It's around about quarter to seven, and for us on the trail, that's probably a late finish. Uh, the other days we've been camping, we've been in, in bed with the, uh, the lights out and, and eaten dinner by six. So after we had lunch, uh, we went on to Fitzgerald's Trailhead, uh, which is one of the main campsites on the Human Hovel Track. Um, there's showers, men's and women's, there's a laundry block, uh, there's cooking facilities. It's really a very uh, large, very well appointed um, camping site. Um, and the person that we met along the way, the local, said uh, it looks as if the army had moved in. Um, they actually have moved in. <laughs> so uh, it was going to be pretty uh, busy and possibly quite noisy tonight. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're doing a, a training course there for about 40 people. So um, still having said that, though, the, the tents were clustered in quite a small little area. Uh, so there was still a lot of us space there and there were a lot of other people there as well. So we stayed there. Um, we actually got there around about um, 1.30, 2 o'clock, probably about 1.30. Uh, and that was a bit too early for us. So we decided to press on at least as far as we possibly could. So we filled up our water bladders, uh, we got an extra two litres uh, in case we, we didn't have any water along the way, which is the case, and headed off. One comment I would make here is from Fitzgerald through to the next site, which is Logbridge, is around about 11.3 kilometre walk over probably some of the most difficult hiking terrain I've done in a long time. Uh, steep. Uh, narrow trails, trails that are crumbling at the edges with steep drop-offs um, and uh, it just follows around very steep and sharp valleys uh, over and over again uh, going down, going up uh, before we eventually started to head up permanently. Yeah, we had uh, two small bridge crossings that uh, were out and were being rebuilt and um, actually navigating the rebuilding was probably as difficult as anything and I think that for me the first time that the map has indicated that a section of the uh, track is hard um, it was quite accurate <laughs> um, partly because of the things Tim just mentioned but also we were uh, carrying nine days of food 
um, from today. So we've actually uh, stocked up. Uh, we did that at um, uh, the caravan park and um, that's going to take us for the next little while uh, to eat up. So that was a lot to carry up the hill with extra water um, and it's also a difficult trail. So for me I was carrying probably just on 21 to 22 kilos uh, all up and that's that's a big load for what I normally carry. Normally I sort of uh, like to be about 18, 18 and a half as a maximum and those extra few kilos make it quite a big difference particularly on this trail going up the only other trail or section of trail that I can compare with this is Mount Tennant and the ACT. Uh, this is a very difficult trail and nothing I I've done on the overland, on the uh, Lara Pinta trail, on the, on the Bilberman track compares to how difficult this section of trail was today. Now I think partly that also contributed to, we, we actually expected to probably get around about five uh, kilometers in and we probably we thought that oh yeah we'll find a camping site if we need to and that was a struggle uh, you know we were so tired we we're thinking all right we'll stop at four uh, three thirty then we'll stop at four and we ended up stopping at around about quarter past four just as we're almost at the highest point of this section of the trail uh, and we're on a bit of a shoulder where there's a, a flat area where people have very obviously camped before so it was set up gear um, uh, have uh, have something to drink, have uh, dinner, uh, and get cleaned up, and then then as I said, doing the podcast before we turn the light out. Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of rocks, uh, small rocks, a lot of um, uh, small um, twigs and things on the site, so we had to do a bit of a clean up and uh, make sure it was uh, okay. Um, it's it's uh, not perfect, uh, not absolutely flat and uh, we had to make a decision about whether or not we wanted to slide down or slide into each other <laughs> during the night. Um, I think we've opted for a little bit of both. I'm not sure how that's going to work out but uh, it's, it's, it's uh, reasonably flat but not um, uh, absolutely. So today was a bit of a mixture of road walking, uh, of trail walking and the boat ride very first thing this morning. So much uh, starting to become very different in, in what is happening each day. Tomorrow, uh, as I said, we've got about five, five and a half kilometres to go to the next uh, uh, campsite. Uh, and certainly that for us, that, that's too short a day. So we'll keep on going from there. Um, and there's another trail, um, Mickalong, I think it is, uh, that um, we may end up stopping at or we may end up going past the following track. Um, partly the reason for doing this is originally we had around about uh, 21 kilometres today, 25 kilometres tomorrow, uh, 31 kilometres the day after, around about 24 and then about um, 31 kilometres the day after that. So by going that, that extra few kilometres on the shorter days we can miss having the really long days, the over 30 kilometre days. Um, so for me, I'm I'm really am stuffed. Uh, I'm when I started this hike um, a couple of days beforehand, I was the heaviest weight I've ever been. Um, I'm not the unfittest, but I am fairly unfit compared to what I usually am, uh, and it's certainly showing from my perspective. Normally, on these long hikes, it takes me about three weeks to get what I class as supreme fitness. So, you know, I come out of a three-week hike um, having exceptionally good fitness, but in this case, it's a three, you know, It's just on a three-week trip, and then I stop. So I don't get the benefit for the last week or two um, like I did last year. 
I, I just thinking that I'm not I'm you know signed up for 19 days I'm not going to do <laughs> three weeks plus just so you can get a bit of fitness go to the gym Tim <laughs> all right so we've um, we're actually uh, fairly high up rather than being in the steep valleys um, and it was quite interesting today because where we stopped for lunch we were looking down over the valley and as we walked through today and we had some steep hills coming up god knows how these sheep actually managed to stay stay um, standing on these some of these hills um, but you know all we could see was up and up and up um, and then we we got to a fairly high point on today's walk where we could see the lower valley uh, on the other side where we were looking at having uh, we were looking over to having lunch so you know it was really the highest hills in the area I'll have to have a look and see what altitude we're at uh, and I'll uh, I'll make a note of that um, uh, as part for this section in relation to uh, the next podcast all right so that's all for us uh, as one of the, the pluses of being up as high as we have we do actually have Wi-Fi and good signal up here so I will actually be doing a post tomorrow morning uh, and in hindsight I could have actually released the podcast this morning uh, tomorrow morning as well but just didn't know that until I got here so um, uh, there's quite a few people who have downloaded the podcast it's this is these type of podcasts are certainly some of our most popular for the year um, uh, and um, I hope hopefully people are enjoying listening to our time on the human hobble track all right that's all for us good night good night one thing I just need to clarify there I called the trackhead Fitzgerald trackhead it's actually Fitzpatrick trackhead my apologies Okay, it's 7.58. We're here somewhere almost towards the top of Mount Wee Jasper where we camped last night. Um, as uh, If you go through and read the daily post for day four, um, this was a hard day and certainly the hardest day we've done so far. We um, stopped in at um, uh, Fitzpatrick uh, Camphead or Trackhead uh, last night, retopped water. So all up I was carrying around about 22 kilos of uh, equipment, food and water. Uh, so I'm happy to lose the, the two, uh, two kilos of water which we used overnight. Um, really pleasant morning. Uh, sun's coming up, uh, or in fact it is up, but uh, because of where we were it sort of didn't sort of hit us till around about just after seven. Uh, it's reasonably high in the sky now. A bit cooler which is nice uh, because for the next five and a half kilometres to log bridge uh, camp or track uh, trackhead uh, we've got um, fairly hard going um, which is what we had yesterday um, I think by the look of it we're going up over the saddle so we don't actually go to the summit of Mount uh, Jasper. Um, but certainly it is uh, it's going to be hard going for uh, a lot of the next few days we had originally planned to do a couple of days uh, over 30 kilo, 30 kilometres, one around about 30.1 and the other one about 31 kilometres. Uh, we've, where we can, we're pushing a bit harder on some of the shorter days, uh, just seeing if we can sort of make the longest days around 25, 26. Yeah, the challenge of that means that uh, we've got to collect some water and um, we're carrying a little bit of extra weight because of the water um, if we're going to camp between sites. So, um, making the shorter days slightly longer is a good idea but there's also a downside to that as well 
had a reasonably good night's sleep last night. Um, it was warm. I... It was warm actually, and then it was there was no moisture on the tent at all, apart from underneath the ground sheet. So we've just got the ground sheet. Uh, uh, sitting uh, face up or upside down at the moment, just drying off, and it's drying off reasonably quickly by the look of it. Yeah, uh, and it's still quite warm. Um, you know, we're a little bit rugged up, but as soon as we get moving, we'll start shedding shedding gear. It's a stunning uh, environment. Um, it is really wilderness and um, uh, still quite amazed at uh, how um, Human Hovel came up here. Um, I don't know if they bought the bullock dray up here because we struggled to get up here without a bullock dray. Um, there is this moment um, in the journey between the two where they go their separate ways for a moment. They have a bit of a disagreement about navigation and uh, we had a bit of a chuckle yesterday uh, thinking that this this is probably the route that Hovel took. Uh, he was used to sailing on the seas and perhaps um, w- wasn't as familiar with the Australian landscape as Hume. So we're all packed up pretty much. Just going to uh, put the get the ground sheet away and put our, our puffy jackets away before we before we start walking. Uh, and then we're off for some very hard walking over the next uh, for the rest of the day Uh, and then we'll top up some water once we get into uh, Logbridge uh, campsite. Talk to you later. Okay it's mid-morning it's around about um, 10.30 and we're up here at Mount Wee Jasper with an elevation of 1121 meters. Um, I must admit, looking at the map, I thought, oh, yeah, we're just skirting around it, we won't go up to the summit, but uh, as we just kept on climbing and kept on climbing all through the morning, we were definitely going up the top. Uh, it's a really pleasant sight up here, actually. Uh, we're sitting on one of two timber benches that have been put up here. Uh, someone's had a fire at some point, and I think if you were going to camp, uh, this is not a bad camping spot, um, and in all honesty, Apart from the one we did last night, uh, which was about four and a half, four odd kilometres away, uh, this is probably the next opportunity to camp if you really needed to. So we've got about 4.3 kilometres to go to the Logbridge um, campsite. Um, while we're up here too, there's a uh, PVC tube with a logbook inside, so we've signed it to let people know we've come through. Uh, and it's always worthwhile if there's a logbook there fill it out just in case something does go wrong people at least know where you've been Uh, they they can narrow the search down a bit if something does happen yeah so um, Mount Wee Jasper it's definitely worth the climb and it is a hell of a climb let me tell you (laughs) we had a few stops on this one Um, but the views are just spectacular and uh, you know you get a 360 degree view at various points of uh, the mountain ranges um, in all directions and it's just a, a, yeah just just definitely worth it and um, I think you can perhaps skirt around um, but I guess for the purists come up and um, take in the views. So now we've got at least a bit of a downhill slope for a while, but we if look, we're lucky, if yeah. we're lucky, <laughs> it looks like we are going up and down for the next couple of days, and we have got a hard a couple of hard patches. Uh, one thing we found that the vegetation changed quite dramatically this morning. We went from uh, one type of forest yesterday and very early this morning, and all of a sudden the trees changed, uh, the underneath vegetation changed, it became a lot more open underneath. 
So I think that's partly because of the elevation. We've gained about 500 metres this morning. So that will give you an idea of uh, the sort of climb we've had. The effort that we've yeah. put in today. Um, the other thing I... Uh, was surprised by was the uh, particularly earlier this morning and yesterday um, the amount of blackberry that's growing through the forest which is just um, you know taking over it's just massive in some places yeah and I think a lot of it has been killed off but it's a it's a it's a long-term process to get rid of it once it gets a foothold in something you probably can hear there's a bit of wind in the background here and it is quite blowy uh, up over the trees every so often it comes through at our level uh, but certainly uh, once we've finished here we'll head back down out of the wind uh, and on to the next campsite talk to you later okay it's around about 20 past one uh, on day five and we're here at Logbridge campsite uh, having come down off uh, uh, Mount Weir Jasper um, very hard morning this morning, lots of ups, lots of downs uh, and we've still at 13.1 kilometres to go. Uh, so we are staying at Mikalong campsite tonight. Um, so that'll probably take us, if it's anything like this morning, it'll probably take us around about three and a half hours. So it'll get us there about 4, 4.30 approximately. It's supposed to be a bit easier, a bit on management road as, as well as track. So we'll see how we go. The campsite here is not too bad, uh, single, uh, comp uh, single composting toilet, no toilet paper. Mm -hmm. uh, what's left of a hut, it's been destroyed, so there's one wall uh, and one post, the roof's gone. Uh, and including the roof, including the, the hut table, there's three tables in here um, and a couple of fire pits as well. So not a bad little site, lots of little camping spots. Uh, but you wouldn't want to fit about 20 or 30 people here. I think you'd be struggling to get enough flat area. Yeah, and uh, to get your water, you need to go down to the creek, which is just metres away, and uh, collect up some water and filter it. So there's plenty of running water, and um, from what we've read, it's um, generally running. Um, so lots of fresh alpine water. Okay, on to Migalong. It's five minutes to eight. We're here in our tent. It's uh, at Mickalong campsite, um, which is where we'd actually planned on staying tonight. Uh, but given that we'd picked up about five kilometers extra, uh, yes, extra yesterday, we were hoping to get a bit further along. I think um, one of the things we we're discovering with this, uh, this trip, there's a, there's a couple of things, I suppose. Um, for me, I started this trip about seven kilos heavier than I did uh, for the Bibbulmun track last year. Uh, and as a result my fitness is not as good as it should have been and this is a really hard trip at least the sections that we've done so far I think um, uh, you know certainly there was no sections anywhere on the Bibbulmun track that were as difficult as some of the stuff we've done over the last couple of days so we left um, um, Logbridge campsite roughly about 20 past one uh, and it took us about uh, almost five hours to get here. We got here about six o'clock uh, and it was starting to get it was starting to get dark. Didn't quite need the torch but certainly by the time we got into campsite uh, and put their packs down we did. You can probably hear the noise in the background and that's the Mickalong Creek uh, which flows into a river for, uh, probably another uh, three or four hundred meters down. 
uh, and we followed this river all the way in uh, for probably about two or three kilometres before the Miquelon Creek branched off it uh, and that's where we're, we're camped at is the namesake of the creek and there's also a Miquelon property which we passed as well. The trip uh, this afternoon again it's very similar to what it has been over the last couple of days up 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 uh, and then we get on <laughs> more we, up more up. up and then we get onto management road uh, and um, uh, then we um, sort of started coming down because we needed to be near a river at the bottom of the valley yeah and i think you know at the beginning of this trip we were complaining about road walking and um, being on uh, dirt roads and, and so on the management road today was a real relief I mean we could scoot along um, quite well um, but once we got on the foot trails and we were on and off the, the management road um, it was really hard work and because of the narrowness because of the amount of um, fallen trees over the trail and the need to scramble and the as we were following we actually followed another creek along the way as well and um, we were also scrambling around rocks and um, you know slippery slopes and so on so it was actually really quite hard work not to mention all of the the blackberry that caused caused a few scratches along the way this is why you should always wear long sleeves when you go hiking mm. It didn't protect my hands, though. Um, we came across an interesting uh, feature, I suppose, and this is one that's played up a bit on the uh, on the track notes, which is Pompey's Pillar, which is a tall p- uh, pillar of rock. It's probably about eight or nine metres tall. And we came across it almost by accident. It was like, oh, there's the sign. And you, you're standing here on a track that's about a metre wide on a steep slope, so you can't go back. And you're thinking, well, this is really lovely. I've got a photo of it, but you know, I'm not really going to be able to see much. Uh, and then we sort of went down the track about 30 metres or so, and then you could see the, the pillar properly. So coming going south, you tend not to notice it till you're upon it, and then you need to turn around. Uh, coming north you would see it quite clearly um, so it really depends on um, knowing where it is and you know you, you, that you're likely to go through and see it uh, sometime in the morning or the afternoon of the day you happen to be going through um, throughout the day uh, in particular the vegetation changed quite a lot uh, so it was a bit scrappy a bit messy a bit uh, almost dry eucalypt forest then it went a bit wetter then it changed to more of an open eucalyptus, for- eucalyptus forest and then it's changed again this afternoon so in that respect it's been quite interesting one comment i will make is the distances don't quite seem to match up so we ended up doing uh, approximately just on 21 kilometers today uh, and that was from around about four to five kilometers in uh, from Fitzpatrick uh, trackhead Uh, whereas the distance from Fitzpatrick was supposed to be I think uh, around about 20 uh, kilometers in total Uh, and given that we'd done the extra bit from yesterday not quite matching up I must admit I'm using a Garmin GPS and I have the GPX file of the track uh, loaded into it from the Human Hovel Track uh, website. Uh, overall pretty good. 
um, you know, if you're not quite sure, you think, oh, have I gone off track or not? Because sometimes the signage isn't as off, uh, frequent as you'd like it. Um, that um, it's an older GPX file, um, and it's a bit coarse. So sometimes you think, oh, I'm supposed to be going in a straight line from here to here, and you realise you go up a bit further and it's a bit more squiggly, um, particularly if you've got your, your, your GPS set something a bit finer like I have. Um, but certainly it does the job. Uh, it gives you a good indication about where you're supposed to be. And if you've got any doubt, um, you can certainly go through and, um, and use that. Over the next couple of episodes, uh, we'll actually be going through and talking about trail infrastructure. Uh, the map, uh, the map set, the GPX file in particular, uh, the signage uh, and the uh, camp furniture including structures and shelters um, fires and things uh, we've done that briefly um, throughout the uh, this episode and the previous one but we'll talk more specifically about what uh, what you can expect on the trail we came across our first hiker today uh, she was supposed to be starting in all honesty I think she was either going to be starting the same day or the day before we did and for, for various reasons uh, was unable to do that so she actually started at the Fitzpatrick trackhead she's got a dog with her uh, and she's very much aware of there are some areas you can't take dogs so, so a family member will be meeting her to collect the dog off her before she goes into national parks and bring the dog back again uh, once she's back out of the parks um, so she may not do the full trip by the sound of it uh, and with luck we might be able to have a chat to her tomorrow for the podcast and see how she's going I think it's um, probably time to close this one because <laughs> it's a bit late and we've still got water to um, filter and uh, a few other things to do and another big day tomorrow. Okay, good night. Okay, good morning. It's uh, start of day six and we're here at the uh, Mickalong Creek campsite uh, and we've just uh, as I mentioned last night there's another hiker here Sarah uh, who's got her dog with her Bella uh, so we thought we'd have a bit of a chat to see what she's doing and how she's gone so far so thanks for talking to us Sarah you're welcome okay so why are you doing the human hobble track and why do you have a dog with you I'm doing the human hobble track because I've wanted to do some longer distance hiking for quite a long time and I really wanted uh, to do some with my dog Bella but in Australia there is hardly any long distance hiking that you do, can do any sections on with a dog it's really hard to find um, but there are some sections on the human hobble track that we can do obviously we can't go through uh, national park or anything like that but we're going to just um, do some sections and we've got some pick up and drop off points so that we are able to do some little days together and just have a great time on trail and camping together. I must admit it's a, it's a in the states the hiking with dogs is is a lot more common than it is here and I think partly because uh, in America you ha do have some national parks that allow dogs but a lot of them don't. Here in Australia national parks are a no-go zone for, for dogs in any state. But I think with the human hobble uh, track, because there's a lot of state forest, and I think it was you were saying that state forests allow dogs all through them? Correct, yeah. Every state forest you can have um, dogs for hiking and camping in. So, yeah, a lot of the um, track is has a lot of state forests, so it worked out well for us. <laughs> so I think, you know, this is not a bad track. If you do want to go hiking with your dog, it's probably not a bad thing. Uh, but also, I think you were saying you're a vet as well? Correct, so yeah. 
<laughs> having a vet to be able to look after your dog is, is not a bad thing. And uh, Sarah was saying that uh, Bella's carrying a small pack and she's yep. got, got, got uh, her own little boots as well. Yep. Um, and we've got a first aid kit for me and a first aid kit for Bella. So. <laughs> Uh, and Bella's 10 years old, you were saying? Yeah, she's just turned 10, although she's a very young 10. She doesn't <laughs> act like it at all. <laughs> uh, and Sarah was saying that she lets uh, Bella set the pace, so it's not as if she's dragging dragging Bella along and forcing her. So Bella's, yeah, Bella's sort of setting the pace, which yeah. is good. I, want it, I only want it to be fun for both of us. If she's not having fun, there's no point us being out here. So we can only do what she can do, and if at any stage she doesn't seem like she's enjoying herself, then we just stop. <laughs> okay, so... How have you found the track so far? You, now, you said you started at um, Fitzpatrick Trackhead? Correct, yeah. Um, so you've been going for two days so Correct, far? Correct, yeah. So how have you found it, so, uh, 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 the hiking and the, the conditions and the environment? It's been harder than I expected. <laughs> um, the first day, we didn't find too bad. It was pretty steep up that um, Mount Wee Jasper, but it was fun. We had a good time um, and got to the, the campsite there um, at Log Breach Camp log bridge campsite before it was you know too late and had a had a good rest and everything like that but yesterday um the terrain was very very tricky um lots and lots of um uh bits of trail that we had to sort of do scrambles over or under depending on if it was me or bella (laughs) um we uh i had a few falls bella got some stinging nettles on her paws before i could spot them and put her little boots on for her um so yeah by the time we got to the campsite here we were a little bit feeling a bit sore and sorry (laughs) and we were actually planning to hike a little bit longer than we did yesterday but i made the decision to stop earlier because i didn't think it was going to be fun for both of us to be pushing it on um and into later into the day so yeah (laughs) yeah so what time did you get into camp yesterday um i think it was about four o'clock yeah that's yeah. not too bad we, we got in here around about six uh and the next campsite uh next designated campsite at least is about another seven and a half kilometers so mm. we were also hoping to get to that campsite as well but the way the terrain is it's very slow going in some sections um you know if it was flat easy trail doable uh but yeah there was no way i think it'd probably take about two and a half hours at least to get to the next campsite so yeah uh, yeah, we we made the same decision as well okay so you're planning on doing part of the track or all of the track or uh little sections so there was never going to be any way we could do the whole part from start to finish with the dog um but there are some areas where we're planning to like um do alternate tracks where we can so so it'd be mean a lot more dirt country road walking yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so doing as much as we can but again I don't have any fixed plans because I'm just going to wait and see how both of us go if at any point Bella seems like she's not having fun or she gets sore or anything then we can just stop earlier so we're going to do as much as we can in sections as far as we can to Albury. <laughs> okay that's a good yeah. adi- good attitude to have with dog and person or with just people in general so yeah okay thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us Sarah. you're welcome thank you It's 7.41 here at Mickalong campsite. Jill and I are packed, uh, breakfasted and are all ready to go. So we're just doing one last recording before we head off. As as I said yesterday, you can hear the river. Well, it's actually a creek, Mickalong Creek in the background, but it's it's very large creek, actually. It's I probably was going <laughs> to say it uh, home. Some of our rivers are not as big as this, but anyway. <laughs> uh, and it does feed into a river further down, which is bigger and broader again. But um, we are. It's it's funny. You sort of. 
look at the, the leave no trace principles these days and from an Australian perspective that means camping 60 metres away from water sources, uh, not really possible in this campsite. Uh, uh, and in fact, even the toilet block is probably only around about 20 metres from the uh, um, from the river itself. Uh, pleasant night. Uh, it's cool, uh, but I've stripped off my layer at least because I'll warm up fairly quickly when I start walking. Uh, Jill's still got her jacket on, uh, and we're about to head off. Talk to you later. It's 9:15. We're just sitting on the banks of the Mickalong Creek uh, after having just gone through and crossed it. We left camp this morning uh, and around about a kilometre in where we were supposed to turn off onto the track itself, there was a sign saying, warning, uh, log bridge has been destroyed, please do not try and cross, it's dangerous. And there was a detour in place. So we took the detour, and it was the detour was a bit confusing actually. Um, a bit more signage would have been a bit more helpful to say yes, you are going in the right way. We needed to bring the maps out and um, uh, check the GPS just to double check we were actually going the right right, right direction. Well, I think we needed to have a little bit of a debate, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we we walked along the road and we can actually see where the bridge had been destroyed. I mean, there's some very big trees that have come down and actually gone across the, the whole creek itself. Um, and we kept, the road actually came to the creek, which required us to get wet feet. I mean, really, it was probably up to about um, just below knee, knee level. Um, uh, yeah, just below my knee level. Um, I must have picked a slightly different route to you. Um, but barefoot I found I could actually feel the rocks a little bit better and feel the depth a bit better too. Yeah I mean, while I could see the depth it was uh, there was one point there just as I was about to exit I almost went over because the rocks were a bit slippery. So um, yeah it um, wasn't something I was expecting uh, so I've taken the um, wore the shoes across and taken the socks and the inserts out but I think I'm going to have to change socks later on today once the shoes have dried out a bit. Uh, I've also had my left foot strapped or taped uh, to prevent blistering and I'm likely to have to re-tape that again later today when everything's dried off a bit better. So we decided to have an early morning tea before we head on. Good evening. It's uh, 10 o'clock on day six, very late finish for us, uh, and I'll explain that in a couple of minutes. After we left uh, the creek crossing this morning, uh, we headed on to Barroi, uh, excuse my pronunciation, uh, which was the next hut. Um, typical sort of hut, and I'll talk about those in the next couple of episodes, but basically uh, a shelter uh, for eating, um, a couple of seats, and also um, we had uh, a toilet block, uh, or, and when I say toilet block, a single toilet. It was one toilet. One toilet, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we left from there, and at that stage we thought, yeah, well, we will push on to um, uh, Thomas Boyd uh, uh, trailhead or trackhead. Uh, and that was probably um, a bit of a mistake on our part. We did leave at 7.40. Uh, we planned on leaving at 7.30. Uh, but by the time we actually got in here, it was 8.30 at night. And partly the reason for that was we had a very hard start this morning where we just went up and up and up. Um, 
and then we actually had a fairly flat area through the middle of the day and we thought well this sort of speed we won't have no problem at all getting through to uh, uh, Thomas Boyd uh, uh, camp, uh, campsite. Unfortunately what tended to happen was uh, we had more of up up and up this afternoon so much up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, and it was pretty it was without a doubt so far this is the hardest long distance trail that I've done a lot of fallen trees a lot of blackberry you had to make your way around a lot of um, um, a lot of gullies and um, a lot of running water that you have to um, navigate your way across and it's interesting the trail uh, winds down into a gully you cross some water then you wind back up and then you find the next gully and you wind back down again and you wind back up again uh, and the trail is, as I said, with all the uh, the fallen trees, uh, they're bad enough, but you get a lot of smaller stuff that's growing across the track as well, uh, including blackberry. Now, they are spraying, spraying the blackberry. Uh, there's signs up in a number of areas saying, basically, do not eat uh, because we've, we, we've, we've sprayed them. Um, so the problem with that is, though, there's a lot of dead blackberry, and it's going to take a number of years to decay and decompose. So a lot of that's actually sticking out into the middle of the track still uh, and then there's still the odd live bit here and there that's sort of been missed uh, that's, uh, that, that it's actually quite nasty when it catches you across the face or the shoulder um, so yeah it's it wasn't particularly pleasant for a part of today yeah and I think um, the terrain really slowed us down um, I think we also um over relied on the the gps as funny as that sounds because of all of the up and down the gps wasn't entirely accurate in distance absolutely accurate in terms of direction um but not so in distance so uh the um guidance was that it was going to be 33 kilometers i think uh, today and um the, the GPS said it was going to be about 26 kilometres um, and didn't really take a, into account uh, those up and down. And that's probably, I don't know, what's that, a 15% error or more, I think, maybe. Um, so something to think about and, and something that we've actually had provided advice uh, in a podcast previously and uh, we just didn't take it into account. Um, the vegetation changed quite a lot through the day, so we actually crossed uh, over Kosciuszko National Park, both in and out of the park, um, and it was almost a bit like coming home. It was terrain that we were very familiar with, uh, vegetation we were very familiar with, um, and, and different to what we'd been seeing for the last few days. So we've had a bit of change in, in, in scenery as far as what we're actually seeing. Not a lot of wildlife. Uh, we've seen a few wallabies and a couple of kangaroos over the last day. We've seen uh, lots of wombats. We've seen a couple of wombats. Yeah. One, one very mangy one and one very healthy looking one. Uh, but there's a lot of wombat holes. Uh, and, and so much so that there's wombat holes that uh, have taken half the track away because they've dug holes or uh, they've dug holes on the edge of the track. So you do need to be careful. 
um, you know, it was almost to the point that we were thinking, oh, if we're going to have to camp, it would be really difficult avoiding the sheer number of wombat holes that are around. Uh, still a lot of bird life, uh, and again, that's that's been the the big mainstay of this uh, this hike. If you're into birds, you get lots of stuff, and I'm going to have to. My bird knowledge is is limited to the the obvious stuff, uh, so I'm going to have to go through and have a look at home when a home in some of the bird identification books that I've got, just to identify some of the things that um, I know what they look like, but I just can't tell you what they are. Well, the one I know really well is the rosella, and it, they're just stunning. The colours, you spot them a mile away. The colours are bright and, yeah. Okay, so as I said, it's just after 10 o'clock now, so it's definitely time for bed for us. It was the longest day and probably the longest day of this whole trip. So we're going to look through and see when our next, uh, uh, what our next couple of days are, uh, and we might do a bit of variation, might shorten some of the, the longer days uh, and increase the length of some of the shorter days. Uh, but we'll have a look at that in the morning. Okay, good night. Oh, good night. Good morning, it's Tim and Jill. Uh, we're here on day seven at the Thomas Boyd trackhead. We've pretty much packed and ready to go. And by the time we leave camp, it'll be about 20 past eight, which is for us a late start for the day. But given how hard and arduous yesterday's walk was, we decided to let matters take its course and have a bit of a sleep in. And for me, that means five o'clock. Uh, and I sort of uh, annoyed Jill for another hour uh, tapping away on my iPad doing some social media catch-up, at least writing it because I don't have any phone signal at the moment. Um, it's a, quite a nice sunny day which surprises me because the forecast is that for an 80% chance of rain, uh, so we've got the, the rain gear ready to go should that occur, uh, but it's looking like a lovely day at the moment, bit of light cloud cover but nice and sunny, lots of birds out again. Yeah, it is a nice day, so fingers crossed, um, and hopefully we'll have a, a good day weather-wise. Um, we didn't talk about this yesterday. We were a little bit too tired when we got into the tent to do the final uh, recording, but yesterday we went through some really interesting uh, territory. Uh, we passed the place that uh, historians are pretty confident was the point at which the uh, human hovel expedition uh, turned their dray into a boat um, and one that didn't sink, which is always a good thing. Uh, we, we saw a, a number of other things along the way and we're pretty much now following their trail quite closely, at least for the next little while. Uh, the Thomas Boyd trackhead is named after Thomas Boyd, who was a convict uh, who was loaned, I'm not quite sure what that means, but loaned uh, to hovel uh, for this expedition and apparently he uh, uh, presented himself very well and he uh, found and he established himself as being a useful person to have around and he was rewarded for that and uh, he ended up in the tumid area I think um, uh, ferrying new settlers into the area and making a little bit of money that way before heading to the south coast of uh, New South Wales. Um, he, he did become quite wealthy uh, but lost all his money and died a penniless man. <laughs> Which is often the case. <laughs> um, so this morning we've sort of made a decision. We, we 
had planned on camping at this uh, camp head last night uh, and today we are due to be camping at Blowering Dam uh, which is around about 26 kilometres uh, but we're going to take it as a, a bit of a suck up and see sort of mentality. We will camp there if we get there. There is potential areas for camping around about 5 to 6 k's out from that so um, I think after arriving in here at 8 o'clock last night and walking uh, with torches for two hours um, we'll take it uh, uh, as, as it goes uh, and if we end up stopping early we'll stop early but don't really feel like walking past sort of six-ish at the very latest preferably earlier um, so and also given the forecast as far as from the maps are concerned for, uh, for some hard hikes and I'm looking at some of these hills that we've just come down and we have, to, have go to go up, up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're not easy and it really does slow your average walking pace down so okay onwards for the day Good evening. It's 8 o'clock. We're here in our tent at the Blowering campsite. We got in just before 6 o'clock this evening uh, after spending half a day walking through the rain. Uh, so we got to set up our tent uh, and luckily we had a, a slight gap in the rain to set it up without having to worry about being fiddly and, uh, and being creative and how to actually set it up and keep it dry. Um, this morning we left camp around about just after 8 o'clock and we came across one of the suspension bridges which I would only be described as scary. Uh, if you don't like heights, I think it's going to be one of these ones where you're going to have to close your eyes to, uh, uh, to actually get across it. I took some pictures of Jill going across and the bridge sort of sunk down a bit. Uh, I went across and it dipped quite away. Yeah, it certainly did. I, I've got a video of it and it, it was swaying a bit and, and dipping. Um, it was a great construction, um, but yeah, just a little little bit scary. Uh, particularly when there's nothing, no solid boards on it, so you're walking on metal bars and wire, and it's like, oh, this is not good. And I, I don't have a fear of heights, but I'm thinking all I could imagine was I'm going to fall into the river or fall onto the rocks below. Uh, we went on from there um, and um, ended up uh, getting through to um, uh, a series of hills and, and not quite as steep as they had been but still enough to sort of wear us out a bit. Uh, had lunch up towards the top uh, before heading back down again. Uh, and as we got back at, uh, back out of the forest area, uh, we had this uh, stile that crossed the fence and there was a series of posts all the way up to the top for about 750, 800 metres and it was just a constant up. One of the things that we found today and we've also found previously is because it's magpie breeding season, uh, we had a magpie sweeping us from around about 100 metres away uh, and it had come through, you'd put your hiking pole above your head, it would veer off, go back to its tree, take a few minutes breath and then come back at us again all the way up the hill. I think that's the third occasion now we've been swooped by magpies so um, they de definitely are very conscientious. Um, after lunch it did start pouring with rain as I said so we were walking in rain and the temperatures dropped quite a bit so it certainly wasn't freezing but it was you know we were both pretty cold and glad to have actually had a warm dinner and be in bed. 
Um, once we actually got out of uh, the rural area, uh, we then actually had a bit of road walking. Uh, and in fact, we probably had around about eight kilometres of road walking uh, down the Snowy River uh, Highway and then the turn off to, um, I think it was the East Blowering Road from memory, which took us pretty much through to the dam itself. Um, we got really excited when we got towards the dam wall. We could see this lovely, big, wonderful park with uh, lots of picnic areas and toilet blocks. Uh, and we thought, okay, yep, that's it. And got around the back of the dam uh, machinery, only to find out it was the Mary Brandy uh, Park. Uh, and it was a day park only, no camping allowed. So we thought, okay, back up the hill. Because uh, I was pretty sure that we were on roughly about water level or high water level on the uh, on this campsite. And sure enough, that's what it was. So after another hill, um, we then had to walk along the dam down a road. And I was thinking, must admit, I was thinking that uh, if there's a road here, it's for a reason. And sure enough, the road basically finishes at the campsite. So the Blowering campsite, pretty traditional. It has a shelter with a table, uh, another separate table off to the side, a toilet facility, uh, and a, a number of flat areas for camping. I've made this comment before, but because this, this uh, walk was constructed in the late 80s, early 90s, um, it's um, really interesting to see the toilet probably only around about, I'd say, five or six metres away from the high water mark. Uh, and these days that wouldn't happen. You know, you'd have the toilet 20, 30, 40, 50 metres away as far as you possibly could. Well, probably almost is that because it's nowhere near the high water mark. <laughs> no, it, it's right. So, the, you know, the dam, the dam water level is probably down about uh, 25 to 30 metres. Um, so, uh, you know, there's no way that, um, you know, it's close. But, you know, I'm thinking if this toilet decided to overflow, it, the only way it can overflow is into the dam. Um, we originally thought we weren't going to make it to this campsite today, um, but one of the issues we had today, we thought, okay, if we don't get there, we'll just stop off uh, um, in one of the areas on the side of the road. But uh, we either had private property, which you're not supposed to camp in. Uh, we had walking along the road. We had, again, a series of private properties, so we couldn't really do that. And by that stage, we were so close to the, to the, uh, the campsite. It's like, well, we'll just keep on going. So as I said, we got here just before six o'clock. Um, I think it's something definitely to think about, though, um, for those who, you know, the thing that slowed us down today was the rain and, you know, we, we were actually walking into a headwind. So it, it did have an impact. Um, but uh, if, if we weren't even close to um, making it to Blowering, then you know, you really do need to have a plan B. Uh, and I wasn't quite sure what ours was. We we could have poten we could have potentially actually uh, called up and got a taxi uh, into town and st and stayed the night in the motel in town. Uh, but we thought no, nope, we'll try and try and keep this uh, true to the experience and not go off track. Uh, but that is certainly an option. If people want to do that, they can sort of get picked off at a, a particular point and drop back off there in the morning. So they're still doing a continual walk. Okay, uh, we're both reasonably cold, so it's time to go to bed. Good night. Good night.
Good morning. It's just after 6am at the Blowering campsite and we've been awake for probably just a bit over an hour. Um, we just started getting uh, getting packed up inside the tent before we have to go outside, doing everything we can to avoid going out into what is still a rainy day. Um, That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rain varied between heavy and just a light Not drip. so heavy. <laughs> Not so heavy, yeah. Uh, and then every so often it would stop for a little while, but you get all the, uh, the large drops of water coming from the trees that are just up and behind us. Um, it's... Um, yeah, it's going to be a wet day, so there's not, not much that we can do about that. So we're likely to be moving early today just to, you know, it's no re- no use just sitting around, hanging around the tent for waiting for it to stop because it's not going to do that. So I'm just about to get myself out uh, and start making our tea uh, and Jill finish up packing in the tent and I can start getting my pack organised uh, because I'm carrying the stove. Yes. Um, yeah, so my job is usually to uh, pack up the inside of the tent. It actually works um, a lot better if there's only one person thrashing around in a very small space. Um, so while Tim does all of that, I'll be uh, packing up the sleeping bags and uh, the mats and so on. And um, yeah, I think we've got a reasonably good exit plan. We can move everything to one side of the tent and... Uh, get it under the uh, onto the picnic table and that means we've got a bit more space and cover to also pack our packs up all right we're going to press on it's seven o'clock uh, we're in our tent at windy point on blaring dam uh, we stopped short of our expected campsite by about um, eight and a half kilometres but really between the rain and I'm actually struggling a bit fitness wise at the moment so we're never going to make it so this was a a good stop off point. Um, I certainly find that um, um, that when I'm losing weight my body seems to fight with with me for energy requirements uh, and at the moment it's winning uh, but that will change over the next week or so. Uh, but it does sort of slow me down and, and, and I have been struggling and Jill's been helping me along, so grateful for that. Um, today we had rain on and off for most of the day, uh, reasonably light and just almost a sprinkle when we, uh, in the morning, but by afternoon it was getting heavy uh, and then stopping and then getting heavy again. Uh, the rain in itself is not too bad, but it just makes the, the road very muddy to walk on. You collect a lot of mud on your shoes. We got here at Windy Peak at around about um, 3.40 uh, and decided to stop um, because we weren't quite sure what other campsites were available between now and our next potential campsite. So, uh, and we would have had to stop and, and get some water. As it is, the water is about a 500 metre walk from the tent. The, the, the dam level is so low. Even even having said that, when the dam level is full, the water level is likely to be a two or 300 metre walk. As we lie in here in our tent, we realise that the moon is getting brighter and brighter, so the sky must be clearing a bit, and we've got a, a reasonably brightish, I'm guessing about half moon at the moment. I haven't checked. Um, but certainly I, I know that we had a quarter moon the other day, and it's starting to pick up a bit more. 
couple of interesting things we saw today just as we were coming into camp an emu dad and chicks wandering around and he very quickly shot off into the trees with all these charges um jill managed to miss that one Yes, um, I did. Um, uh, she tells me that having the extra uh, uh, eight inches of height gives me the advantage when I'm seeing things uh, up ahead. Uh, also, there's a lot of flowering plants uh, along the, um, the the dam wall, it's, uh, dam shore itself. So it's really quite interesting. Yeah, I loved uh, loved looking at the uh, banks of. Um Hudden Berger in flower, purple flower, just stunning and beautiful. And um, the acacias are flowering, and uh, I think the uh, lactosperm and the tea, the tea trees are about to. What's also interesting is the um, the acacia and the the lactosperm on this walk create a little bit of an arbor so you're often often walking through the middle of them and it's it's quite a pleasant um scene and uh you know goes on for quite some distance and so we did that for a little while meandering around the dam and then uh we came into the uh pine forest and likewise very lush and green and uh you know i guess um, quite quite unexpected, but probably expected given the rain that they've had. Okay, um, as late as it is, it's seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time for bed, and hopefully we'll have less rain tomorrow. But I think the forecast is we'll, we'll get at least some showers. Bye for now. Night. Good morning. It's uh, seven o'clock. We're here at Windy Peak campsite. We're just uh, sitting in our tent, just getting yourself sorted out. We've just had breakfast uh, and we're about to pack up and head off. And yet again, the birds are in the background playing their part. Um, had a reasonably good night's sleep last night. Uh, apart from just after we'd gone to bed last night, after doing our recording, we had a four-wheel drive. Uh, and there go the kookaburras. Uh, just after uh, we went to bed last night, we had a uh, 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 a car driving around the campsite in all directions uh, stop and pull up outside our tent site turn, out, turn the lights off and then drive off which is not always the thing you want when you're, when you're in a remote area uh, shortly after that we heard a gunshot so we realised they were out hunting uh, but again not the sort of thing you want when you're in a tent uh, in the middle of a remote area Good night's sleep. Uh, the rain sort of uh, dissipated through most of the night. I think there was a couple of small showers. Uh, we've woken up this morning and it looks like it's going to be reasonably clear today. Um, uh, but there is a fair amount of overcast and the forecast is actually for 80% chance of rain. So we'll see what happens. Um, went to the toilet this morning and got swooped by a couple of birds who've decided to build a nest inside the toilet. Um, so I didn't really see them yesterday, but obviously they, they decided we weren't a threat yesterday afternoon, but were today for some reason. Um, so yeah, no, it was uh, looking forward to today, feeling a bit better than I was yesterday. Yeah, that's good. You seem a little bit chirpier than uh, you uh, were at the end of the day and at certain points during the day, so that's a good thing. Um what might be interesting for people is that uh, today uh, we're travelling in the area that the Human Hovel expedition was on the 3rd and 4th of November in 1824 and there's some interesting notes in there 
uh, journal about what they saw, uh, things like uh, the Chimut River, which was uh, about 150 feet wide with a strong current, um, and uh, references to um, their, their sense that it must be a river that floods at times and would be, you know, about uh, four, four metres plus, uh, four to five metres plus above uh, what its current level is, and there was evidence of that even back then. Um, the, another interesting note in their uh, diary relates to um, a place where they... Uh, saw tea tree growing on the sides of the river I mentioned that um, fish in the stream uh, and the quote is which refused to bait uh, which I think is quite quaint um, and uh, they thought that the the fish was a codfish um, of the kind that it was in the Lachlan and Murrumbidgee rivers uh, that they were familiar with um, and it goes on to say that they uh, summited uh, a mountain, not quite sure which mountain that was, but might, we might find out, um, but uh, weren't able to get across the range. They ended up summiting a mountain that was reasonably isolated, so they had a pretty tough climb up and then had a tough climb down. Uh, other quaint references, things like, the natives appear to be numerous uh, in the course of the day, their fires were seen in different directions in their huts or camps, uh, constructed in the same manner as those in the part of the country in which they habit, inhabit, have been frequently met. Uh, uh, they've hailed the Aborigines several times, um, although they replied uh, they couldn't be induced to approach, which probably was pretty wise in retrospect. <laughs> Okay, so today, uh, well, last night, as I said, we camped at Windy Point, which was uh, earlier than we'd actually planned. We were actually planning on staying at Yellow Wind Forest Park campsite, uh, and that was about a further nine kilometres to ten kilometres on from where we are. Uh, today, we actually had planned a 14-kilometre uh, day, which is a fairly short day. Um, uh, so potentially, we might actually get back on track by doing a 24-kilometre day. However, we have... A 300 metre incline up some fairly steep um, uh, hills uh, and depending on how long that takes and how, how it delays us we may stop a bit short but we're, we'll be reasonably close to being back on track again uh, by the end of the day. Okay, talk to you later. Good evening, it's quarter past six uh, on Sunday, day nine of our human hovel track uh, journey, and we're here in our tent at Ben Smith campsite, uh, and we've been here since around about 20 to four, uh, and we've sort of got our tent set up, got all organized, uh, filtered our water pretty much, and had dinner. So we're just coming into bed uh, just to do a bit of catch up on social media, because we do have signal here, uh, before going to sleep. So how was the day for you, Jill? Uh, it was a really good day. We, we started um, walking out through the pine forest uh, along management road which was um, you know still quite pleasant a little bit sloppy uh, a lot of four-wheel drives have been 
in and out. So uh, what we did find was lots of camping sites along the way. So uh, once you get to the one that we were at last night, there were, uh, you know, there was a campsite every couple of kilometres, which was quite good with a with a pit toilet uh, usually. Um, and then we uh, turned the bend around lunchtime and and did a steep climb of around 300 metres uh, to um, so about lunchtime we turned a, a, a bend and had a steep climb and uh, we went up to Gurkaroo Ridge uh, which was just lovely we were now in eucalyptus forest and uh, it was just lovely wandering down the other side uh, down to Ben Smith Okay, so as Jill mentioned, there were plenty of campsites available. Our original site last night was to, supposed to be to take us to Yellowwin, uh, but we fell about nine kilometres short, so we ended up staying at Windy Point. Yep. Uh, the first campsite on from there was about an hour's walking. The second campsite was about 40 minutes walking, and then from there on it was almost every 20 minutes for about four or five sites until we got to Yellowwin. So we could have potentially kept on going, but it's really hard to know uh, without actually being, or even though we were aware there were campsites there, we just didn't know how far apart they were. Um, today was reasonably flat for a good part of the day. Uh, I must admit, it's really hard walking around the dam when the dam's so low. Um, I think it'd be very different when the dam was at full full uh, water level. Uh, you think, okay, I can see why I'm walking these long distances. Um, uh, you know, you walk all the way up and then you come back again. And you think, oh, wasn't I just here? So I know with um, the site we came to yesterday, uh, yesterday's camp, we could see it a couple of hundred metres across the water, but it took us about an hour to get there. Yeah, that's uh, right. Just because it was uh, uh, following the, uh, what was the high water level. Um, we're coming towards Talbingo Dam now and Talbingo Township. I must admit, I didn't realise there was a town called Talbingo. Uh, I knew there was Talbingo Dam, and I've actually done some work on in the dam many years ago. Uh, and I do say in the dam. Um, and um, it surprised me. So we, you know, with one of the first signs we were approaching it this afternoon was some high voltage power lines that were running off into the hills. Um, so tomorrow we'll go. We'll end up going around the dam wall. Uh, and press on. One question that someone asked me on social media uh, over the last week was, have you seen any deer? And we hadn't. I hadn't seen any, any sign whatsoever. Uh, but this afternoon I saw a deer uh, and had another deer on the other side of the valley calling. So there were at least a couple of deer within about a kilometre of where we're staying at the moment. Uh, and I know deer are becoming more and more of an issue in Victoria and as they move into the national parks into New South Wales as well. So I think um, at some stage we worry about the horses, but I think the deer are, are becoming more of an issue. Um, had a good meal this afternoon. I certainly felt a lot happier today. I was much more alive and active. Uh, I think yeah, my, that was good. Mm, I felt good about that too, Tim. <laughs> I think my, my body's given up. It's realised it's not going to win. So. Uh, but yeah, it's um, towards the afternoon I was sort of flagging a bit, but I was managing to keep a reasonably good pace for most of the day. Um, still wouldn't, wouldn't mind losing another four or five kilos, and that'll happen over the next couple of weeks. All right, that's us for the day. Good night. Good night.
It's 7.26. We're here at Ben Smith campsite. We're pretty much packed and ready to go. So early start for once. We're a bit more organised. Mind you, I woke up in the middle of the night. The rain had sort of, which had sort of kept on going through a lot of the night, um, had stopped and it was really light. And I'm thinking, okay, it's five o'clock. It's time to get up. So I started my computer up and then realised it was only 11 o'clock. The sun's getting, uh, sorry, the sun. The moon's getting brighter and brighter, so uh, it's it's when it's full moon that's going to be pretty amazing in that little light tent. Yeah, I think we're in, I think we're about two three days, so I think it was about seventy odd percent last night. So, you know, when it is uh, uh, is quite uh, uh, open uh, at the moment, we're in a valley with a lot of tall trees. So, um, as Jill said, once we get out into the open, it'll make a big difference. Today we're heading off to uh, Paddy's. Paddy's River Campsite. Paddy's River Campsite. I can never remember the names of some of these places. Uh, th- at least that's the plan. However, there's some. the maps are showing some hard terrain, so we may or may not make that. And it's a long walk as well. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a trek, so we'll see how we go. There are a couple of options along the way in case we need to... Uh, call it a day a little bit earlier. And I think the, the terrain after Paddy's was a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. So um, what we might lose today, we might, we hopefully will be able to make up tomorrow, but we're still on on our planned schedule. And if need be, we'll add an extra day. It's sort of, um, um, it depends on how slippery the ground is. It depends on how rough the terrain is. Um, the forecast for today's temperature is nine degrees uh, and then over the next few days we're about 15 or 17 degrees so we're warming back up again. Yeah and so yesterday um, it was easy and moderate in in terms of the rating but really the moderate part um, probably wasn't as hard as what we thought it would be. Um, so you never know and, and I think that's the thing we, we've got plan A we've got plan B. Okay, so uh, we will push on for hopefully a arrival at Paddy's later today. Talk to you later. Good evening. It's seven o'clock. We're here at Paddy's River Campsite on the Human Hovel Track. Uh, we've been here for around about two hours, uh, and in that time we've gone through and set up our tent, uh, grabbed a bit of water, and had dinner. Uh, and we're now in bed, just doing the last bit of social media before we go to bed. Today was a quite an interesting day. It was a bit of, um, of a, a, a day of two halves, I suppose. So this morning we left um, Ben Smith's campsite uh, just on 7.30 and then walked towards Talbingo Dam. Um, And once we got through all the farmland and all the the cows deciding whether we were going to feed them or not, uh, we were into bushland and skirting our way around Talbingo Dam itself. Probably one of the highlights of today's uh, today was the waterfalls, which were... The Badong Falls. The Badong Falls, and we had the lower Badong Falls, which is the things we've come to first as a hiker. Uh, and as, as we make our way up the, um, the escarpment, we come to the main Badong Falls, or the upper Badong Falls. That section, particularly in the bushland, was particularly hard. Uh, I worked it out that in some sections we were doing one in three or even one in two, uh, meaning that for every meter, every two meters you were taking, there was a rise of one meter. Uh, wasn't very many of those sections, but there were a couple. 
Um, uh, it's classed as hard on the maps, uh, and the map set really is worthwhile getting because the distances to some extent don't matter too much. It's whether they're easy, moderate or hard. And if it says hard, you know, it, where the, the recommendation for us to get to Butong Falls was five and a half hours, we took five hours. Um, and I think, um, you know, that's a, that was a hard run, it really was. Yeah, um, it was definitely worth it and it was lovely to come up from the bottom and, um, you know, see the, the falls evolve as you went. Um, so, yeah, de- definitely worth the, the trip, but, de- but also a pretty hard run. Okay, so we had lunch at the um, the top of um, Barong Falls and then continued on our trip. Um, and this is where we picked up a lot of altitude. Um, and in fact, we reached the highest altitude of the entire trip, um, which I think was around about 960 metres approximately. Yeah, 960 if you don't count uh, Mount Wee Jasper, which was uh, 1132, I think. Um, so that was uh, that was okay in itself. I mean, it was a steady climb up. It wasn't particularly difficult once once we got past the picnic area at Butong Falls. But what we did pick up was snow. So lots of snow, lots of snow. It wasn't snowing, but there was a hell of a lot of snow on the ground for probably about uh, at least five kilometres or more. Um, and you know, it was it was interesting. It was sort of walking up the hill, and I, you know, then all of a sudden we said, "Oh, look, there's snow," uh, and the snow progressively got heavier and heavier, to the point where you couldn't actually see the track. Uh, there was probably four to five inches of snow sitting on the ground, um, and this is where having a white trail post with a maroon coloured trail marker doesn't particularly help. Yeah, I think the other thing that we noticed was that there weren't too many trail markers along the way either. So so when, when they were there, we could see them if it was uh, heavier snow, possibly not. Um, but there were whole patches where, uh, you know, we, we're kind of guessing that we're on the trail because uh, there's a, you know, a, a dip in the snow in front of us, which implies that at some point in time, people have been walking here, um, but really it wasn't because we saw the trail markers. And the other difficulty as well was like a lot of the other areas of the trail, there had been a few tree falls, so you had to make your way around it and, and relocate the trail on the other side. There were a couple of occasions where, um, where we were thinking, are we going the right way or not? Because it almost felt like we were tracking back on ourselves. Yeah, and I think, you know, it would have been quite a pleasant thing to to experience um, if we were perhaps a little bit more confident that we're heading in the right direction. But we were very focused on making sure that, you know, we weren't going to get caught um, camping in that. That would not have been good. Um, And also, as we were walking through, it did start to snow. um, But just uh, not, not sufficiently for it to... Uh, land on the ground it it melted as it uh, hit the ground now one of the issues with snow on this trail um, I had actually expected to see snow of some sort uh, whether it was just a bit of remnant snow or uh, what we had today Uh, and we'll um, put some photos up and I'll I'll probably end up using um, uh, one of these photos in the in the um, the show notes for this um, this podcast 
So we were expecting snow, but really I think what needs to happen is um, maybe the the, um, the markers need to change to yellow or something, uh, and you know as an indication that snow is possibly possible in this area. Um, you know we're doing this trip uh, in early uh, early to late September, um, and there is still a chance of snow in the snowfields until probably mid to late October, and on this trail itself. So. Um, it's really hard. I mean, you know, if we if we had have done it later, we could be guaranteed of seeing snakes, and we we still might see them towards the end of the trip. Uh, if we had have done it earlier, we would have definitely had more snow. Um, so it's, it's a matter of timing when you do this trip, um, and uh, are you confident in in walking through snow? Which is, you know, we we managed okay. Uh, but if it had been any deeper, it was almost like, well, you really need snowshoes or micro spikes to keep your footing, because it, it, you know, apart from having the mud, you also had the snow as well, which tended to make it very, very slippery in some areas. Um, one thing we did see before the snow, we came across the first of our brumbies. Um, didn't look particularly healthy, so it looked like it was a, a young horse. Um, it was standing on the side of the trail not paying much attention all of a sudden noticed it noticed us and went to move off and then fell over uh, and then got up and, and and then ran off into the bush so whether it was a bit sick and not happy or whether it was just it didn't like the cold and just didn't know what it was doing um, we've also picked up another horse across the lake uh, this evening um, at Paddy's River uh, and they go wandering around so uh, we've made sure everything's nice and close to the tent uh, and they're not likely to uh, to nose or do any damage to any of our gear. Um, it's probably the coldest night we've had so far. and We're actually in the tent doing this interview and... We can see our breath. We can see our breath <laughs> uh, for the first time. So it'll be interesting to see what the, what the, uh, the reading is in the morning. Uh, today we did approximately just on 28.8 kilometres, uh, which is probably our longest day. Um, and we started at 7.30, which is one of our earlier starts. Um, and we did have, as I said, a hard section and a moderate section. Tomorrow we've got, I think, moderate and easy. Uh, so it'll be a, and it's also proposed to be a slightly shorter day. Although we may actually choose once we get towards the end of the day, just to extend it, uh, go an extra um, campsite, which will make the, um, the the trip into Mandus Lake um, on the following day much, much shorter and easier, and it might give us a chance to have a bit of a break. Really what I'm looking for over the next two days is do I have internet signal to be able to publish this podcast? Uh, and that's going to be the dictating factor, whether we have the short day tomorrow or the short day of the day after. Okay, um, so as I said, a day of two halves, snow and a waterfall. Um, <laughs> so, um, and it was a pretty spectacular waterfall too. So, um, you know, well, you know, this section we're in at the moment, uh, we came across one of the huts uh, as well. A Badong hut. A Badong hut. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, you know, if you, so far, this is probably the pick of the track. Um, uh, but again, we'll see how it goes over the next ten days if if there's anything better on the, on the trail. Yeah, look, I mean, it was a hard hard day, long day, um, but definitely a lot to see and quite you know beautiful walking through the um, the the bush in Kosciuszko National Park, which is always nice, and then uh, 
getting into the state forest after that? Okay, that's us. I think it's time to call it quits uh, because it's starting to get a bit cold. We need to rug ourselves up. Uh, good night. Good night. Good morning. It's Tim and Jill from Australian Hiker. It's day 11. Uh, we're actually about half hour into our uh, day. We've packed up our tent. Uh, we've started walking uh, and we stopped for a cup of tea. Normally we'd do that with breakfast, uh, but um, I'm estimating here the temperature got down to around about minus four, minus five last night. Uh, all the condensation on the tent was ice. Um, <laughs> my shoes, when I got up to, to go to the toilet in the middle of the night, uh, I had to crack them. Uh, they were a bit solid uh, from the moisture in them. Uh, and it was a cold night. Um, yeah, and where we camped, we uh, had come out of the snow um, from the, the high point of the track and uh, there wasn't any evidence of uh, snow when we arrived. And when we got up this morning, lots of patches of snow. So it was definitely a cool night and um, we, we certainly f felt it. I, I, I was wearing almost everything that I had carried with me uh, not quite but if I could have gotten inside the uh, backpack I would have done that too <laughs> um, so yeah we uh, had a good day yesterday good good night overall the snow as I said it was quite an interesting sort of thing it sort of um, uh, probably need a few more trail markers and they probably need to be yellow uh, a bit like they do with the roadside markers when you get into the snow country they they change them to yellow from white because they stand out a bit more um, where we seem to be well and truly out of the snow now and I don't think we're going to head back into it. We might get the odd patch here and there uh, but we're definitely going downwards over the next day or so um, and I don't think we reach the mountains of this sort of height again uh, but certainly we, we, do pick, we, did, we did certainly pick it up um, yesterday. Yeah, look, uh, it's a really nice thing about... Um, uh walking through the snow the snow landscape is just gorgeous and uh, the, the the trees were beautiful um, not as much of um, fallen trees as I would have expected um, but you know uh, I think we we're probably lucky given how tough it was with the um, uh, with the terrain and the snow in the first place so yeah uh, I think on reflection I'm a bit happier about yesterday than I was at the end of the day <laughs> All right, we'll finish our morning tea break and we'll head off. Good evening, it's ten past six, which is an early night for us. We're here in our tent, having set up, uh, put everything away for the night and had dinner at Junction Campsite, uh, which was our planned stop for today. Today we were possibly thinking about going to Angel uh, Trackhead, um, but that was about another six and a half kilometres and we did get here at around about just on four o'clock so while it was possible it could have taken potentially another two two and a half hours to get there and that would have made it just a bit dark so we decided to stop here for the day um, so tomorrow we head off to our planned stop of Manus Lake um, today was an interesting day uh, we left our campsite at around about 7.45, uh, had a cup of tea on the side of the trail because it was so uh, cold last night, we just wanted to get moving. Um, and then we had 
what was classed as an easy, easy to moderate walk, uh, where we were just following the valleys, uh, not too much ascent or descent, but we were just winding our way in and out of the valleys to get where we needed to go. So as the crow flies, it wasn't particularly a long distance, but certainly getting there took a long time. And that was to this campsite, which was about 18 and a half kilometres approximately. Yeah, all up it was uh, 22.3 with the walk through the uh, pine forest, which was the last bit that we did. Um, I actually enjoyed the the most of what we uh, walked today. Uh, Tree ferns and... um, small uh, waterfalls and it was was quite pretty it did get a little bit monotonous because we just kept going in and out and in and out of the you know range of um uh, i guess the gorges that uh, that were there we had a couple of tree falls along today which is pretty usual for for this sort of track or for most tracks really coming out of winter time um, but we had one one tree fall which was along the length of the track uh, and we either could go up or down we chose to go down but that took us probably around about 10 minutes to get around uh, just a bit awkward and, and you know there's no way we could go through uh, what was there no that was pretty mammoth that that that, that was a pretty significant tree fall and um one that uh, would have slowed everybody down, I would imagine. Um, still bird life is the main things today, although we did see uh, probably about seven or eight horses plus a dead horse. Uh, uh, and that, that wasn't pretty. <laughs> no, and it was right by the trail, so you, know, you could smell it and think, what's that? And I was like, oh, okay, yep, that's what the problem is. A dead cat. We saw a dead cat. Saw a dead cat as well. Um, it was a big cat. <laughs> uh, and I think the uh, things like foxes uh, and, and the, um, the carnivores have been baited with 1080. Uh, and they do warn you going onto properties and going into areas saying 1080 bait is down. So any, any carnivore tends to, to go for that sort of bait uh, and it will tend to, to knock them off pretty quickly. It was a bit disappointing to see, or not see, I should say, uh, the remnants of Hassel's Mill, um, which is about uh, about three and a half, four kilometres away from the uh, campsite, um, which was used to send timber uh, down down the creeks and down the rivers. Um, and the reason we couldn't see it was that it it was just overgrown with blackberry, and I think that's a bit of a theme that we're seeing um on this trail it's it's you know it's an obviously introduced invasive plant and it really has invaded i mean in in all fairness the both the state governments and the local um uh councils are doing a good job of trying to control it but it's it's a well and truly out of control uh, problem and through a lot of this track and even where large sections of it have been killed off it's going to take a couple of years for the uh, the dead canes to rot away and be be out of the way um, but this section, certainly in the last couple of days, we've had much less of it and it's been really attractive. So certainly the last probably two days, two and a half days, has been really excellent as far as what we're actually seeing. Yeah, and, and today was a beautiful day, absolutely cloudless sky. Um, a little bit on the cool side for most of the day, but it didn't really matter because it was just such a beautiful day, which is a nice contrast to the... Uh, the other the, you know days that we've had that have been pretty windy and or rainy or, or, or snowy. <laughs> 
Okay, that's us for tonight. Bye for now. Bye. Okay, so that was day four through to the end of day 11. Um, as we go on uh, in our next episode, we'll uh, only do shorter, uh, shorter days, just giving you the highlights. But it gives you a good idea of what we saw on the trail over the, those, this period of days. One of the big, um, big things for us that's been the companion for us pretty much the whole trip is the hills uh, and the blackberry. Uh, and as I said, the governments are doing doing a good job in trying to get rid of all the blackberry, but it is going to be a long-term process. You know, between birds and people planting this stuff deliberately over the years, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of it to get rid of. It has been pretty good over the last few days in particular. I think we've come to the highlight of the track. Uh, but having said that, we've still got a number of days to go, so who knows what we'll go through and see. Yeah, so... What we've seen so far has been a real mixed bag of um, challenges and uh, joys, I guess. And uh, we, uh, are, you know, have climbed a lot of hills. <laughs> it's taken its toll a little bit. Um, I think our enthusiasm is is growing uh, as we start to see some interesting interesting things um, with the previous days the climbing was um, you know I guess the focus and, and the the highlight the weather likewise weather's improving and um, yeah we'll see what happens we have had some stuff on day 12 which is when we were actually recording this which has been quite interesting so you'll have to listen next week for that so next week's episode will take you which will probably go to air either on the probably the Thursday I'm guessing and that will take you through to the end of the trip and the week after that we're going to discuss in detail the things we thought about the trip uh, what our recommendations are the infrastructure on the trail um, and possible sections that would be worthwhile doing if you've only got a short period of time so I hope you look forward to that that's all for me bye for now and bye from me